Hello, hello everyone, and welcome to the 12th episode of Season 2 of the Wormburner Podcast. I'm your host, Dustin, and for this week, we're going to be taking a couple trips between Europe and the United States this week. Our first stop, we're going to be talking about Chelsea Football Club and the recent news that has broken within the past week over there in England. We will then come over to the United States and talk about what is going on at Charlotte FC because they've had some breaking news as of today that has honestly shocked a lot of the MLS, so we'll be covering that. And then with our league breakdown of the week, we're going to be going over the Belgian Pro League, which, if you thought the Apertura and the Clausura was confusing, oh boy... (laughs) You are in for a treat this week. It was so much fun researching, and I look forward to breaking it down for you guys this week and, of course, rounding it out with our Extra Man Advice of the Week. If you have not already, check out our Twitter at WormburnerPDCST. So, again, that handle is WormburnerPDCST with that We will be having some big news coming up this week. We have an interview coming up this next week. It's so exciting, and I'm so excited to bring that to you guys. It's just going to be an amazing week next week. So stay tuned on our Twitter and our Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the Wormburner Podcast for that news coming up. Let's go ahead and get into this week's episode. Alright, so for this week, we have the news that Chelsea Football Club has been purchased from Roman Abramovich for a grand total of £4.25 billion by a consortium of individuals led by Todd Bowley, which is a American businessman to take over Chelsea Football Club as of the 30th of May 2022. The agreement has been made through the UK government and of course they approved it ending Roman Abramovich's 19-year ownership of Chelsea Football Club. What a 19 years it really and truly was. And honestly, I didn't I didn't really know that he had owned Chelsea for that long. It's just looking back at the titles they had won and the overall success that Chelsea had had with Roman Abramovich, with the Roman Abramovich era, it just shows how much the team has really grown as a whole. And I look forward to see what Todd Bowley and his consortium of individuals can do to the club. Granted, they... Uh, they are American, which uh, I don't mean in a negative aspect with, of course, myself being American. I just don't want another situation kind of like Manchester United going on where a lot of the individuals that support Manchester United are now turning on the American ownership because of the fact that they don't know what they're talking about or they don't know what they're doing when it comes to running a football club and that's just a negative thing that I don't want anything to happen to the American image of soccer I don't think any American really and truly wants that to happen but it's needless to say I look forward to see what happens with that because the latest news that has come up is apparently 
Chelsea Football Club are in talks with Usman Dembele from FC Barcelona. Barcelona is most likely going to be letting Usman Dembele go this summer, and Chelsea are looking to pick him up for relatively cheap. I think with the injury record that Usman Dembele has, it can definitely be a positive pickup if they can keep him off that injury list. For me, I feel like that's a a very strong signing to make, especially with the linkage that Usman Dembele had away from Barcelona besides Chelsea Football Club. I know that some reports had stated that he was talking about going to Bayern Munich. I think one even stated that he was going to be going to PSG if PSG sold Neymar, which that was another thing if Chelsea had gone for Neymar because, again, another report had come out within this past week that PSG are looking to let go of Neymar this summer, which... I I couldn't believe you have the record signing of 222 million euros and you're just letting them go is it's just unbelievable what has transpired in PSG with the whole Mbappe situation and with Neymar now being up on the chopping block and being sold uh, apparently I don't know how solidified this this news really is but if any of this is even remotely true it's shocking in itself already so again with it being true it's just absolute it dumbfounds me honestly to to have that news breaking but Chelsea are apparently in talks with Usman Dembele to see if they can get him to Chelsea Football Club, and I think that would be a really good signing for them. The reason why I say that is because it allows them to have a little more depth and maybe have a little more experience on the books, uh, especially with that left wing position or right wing because Usman can be on on both left and right attacking midfield positions itself. I think it definitely opens up the possibility for other things for Thomas Tuchel to do with his with his system but overall there still is a problem working with the defense that I don't know if any of the players that had originally had their contracts run out or are having their contracts run out if those talks have begun to re-sign those those players that are in defense they need the defense to be shored up before really any major investment can be made towards the attack on it that's that's just my opinion because you had Andres Christensen on track to FC Barcelona at during the summer it's just something that with the defenders running out of contract where they are you need to be able to sign those back up immediately like ASAP because then you're going to be talking about a very bad situation very quickly not being able to have the players that you want and it will lead to panic buying and honestly when it comes to the greater aspect of soccer panic buying is not a great situation for you to be in statistically and just as a club a whole as a whole I hardly ever see panic buys work 
in a positive light. <laughs> Hardly ever, honestly. When I look at soccer as a whole and seeing the transfers specific clubs make, I just, I don't, I honestly, I don't even remember the last time that a panic buy actually worked out. Personally, that's just me. I, I don't know. It's just not a good tactic, I feel like, because if you're getting your team in and they are able to gel as quickly as they can as soon as the season starts it allows them to adapt and grow as a team from the beginning from that get-go and the longer that you prolong these transfers the worse it could get and i think there was a very famous famous manager I believe it was Arsene Wenger, but I don't want to discredit him if he did do something like this. But I had watched a documentary about Arsene Wenger, and he did these transfers at the beginning of the season on purpose. And it was because of the gelling and being able to grow and adapt as a team and not have to bring someone in already two months into the season. And they have to gel automatically or they're bring brought on into onto the field as a starter, they could be that good. And it ruin it can ruin squad cohesion and that's just not a situation that you want to be in. It's a it's a honestly it's an art to be able to do something like that. And very few managers are, are very I, I know that a lot of high end managers, obviously the Premier League, La Liga but managers struggle with that. It's it's honestly a it's something that is common in the soccer world and that's just something that I've observed while I've studied the game and just something in itself that I hope Chelsea doesn't do uh, it, they don't prolong these purchases until it's too late and they're chucking <laughs> what as much money as they want to chuck towards players that they may or may not need or may or may not fit their system and it's just not worth it honestly you have to be able to spend your money right as i've said countless times and as our all of our interviewees with mr brendan brown and mr tucker green we you have to invest wisely and if you prolong these transfers it just honestly it just does nothing but negative things to the team and it just harms the whole system in itself so with that being said let's go ahead and go to what's going on at charlotte fc the news breaking there today their manager miguel ramirez has been fired in his very first season in the mls 14 games into the inaugural season and he's gone. He's out. He, he's gotten Charlotte FC to 8th place in the Eastern Conference, which is pretty decent if you ask me, especially for a first season. I know that a lot of teams had struggled even when they first got into the MLS. I know that Cincinnati FC had struggled for a little bit. I know that Minnesota United had struggled for a little bit. But now they're doing relatively well when it comes to their position in the league and what they've done. To all the reports that have come out over this firing, no one can really say for sure why this has happened. And even the Charlotte FC staff and higher up are remaining tight-lipped on this. There is they we don't even know the reason why he was fired as of right now as of when this episode comes out 
it's just a very interesting situation for me. I had re- I had reacted to it on our Facebook page, and it was just absolutely baffling to me that a manager that's doing halfway decent, honestly, with a new MLS side has just been up and fired 14 games into the season. I'm interested to see if they're looking to bring someone in that's higher caliber. Maybe that's the only way that I can feel this is justified. Because if you have a high-end manager, let's just say for an example, you have Maurizio Pochettino being on edge at PSG and possibly on the way out. I'm just saying this is a hypothetical. With firing Miguel Ramirez where he is in the league, granted it's pretty good, but every team could be doing worse or better. They could fire him and bring in a higher caliber coach like Maurizio Pochettino, and that would make this decision a little more reasonable, let's say, I guess. Honestly, I would have given him the season to be able to do what he could and then given him the axe if that's the case, if bringing in that higher caliber coach. It's just all extremely bizarre why Miguel Ramirez has been axed 14 games into the season. Like I said, a lot of the MLS press that has been around this and just the overall sporting world here in the United States is scratching their head really, really hard at why this has happened. And I hope that some of the answers have come up or will come up after today and after this episode comes out but of course I will be keeping up with that and keeping it posted on our Facebook page and our Twitter. I just look to try to see what answers are there for this because honestly I don't see why this even happened. So with that being said that is going to wrap up our news around the world. Let's go ahead and get into the league breakdown this week with the Belgian Pro League. Alright, so for this week, we are going to be covering the Belgian Pro League this week. What what research really went into this? Because I had never really truly broke down the Belgian Pro League before this. I, of course, watched them off and on whenever a game was on, and I never really looked at their league format, but wow, holy mackerel. <laughs> it was an absolute treat to try to break that apart because it's not like many other leagues I've seen around the world so it's a a very special time researching this and I look forward to bringing it to you now so the Belgian Pro League was first founded in 1895 being one of the oldest leagues in Europe honestly I couldn't even believe that in itself I just the history behind this competition is really and truly special. It has had five different names as a competition, the first one being the Championship Cup Division, the next one being the First Division, simply put. The next one was the Division of Honor, which that honestly has a little bit of a ring to it. Then it went back to the First Division, and then now it is the First Division A as of 2016. The overall winners of this competition have varied over this very extensive history of the Belgian Pro League, but the overall winners 
and the most champions of the Belgian Pro League is RSC Eindrecht with 34 titles, the first one coming in 1946-47 and the latest one in 2016-17. Again, 34 titles have been won by one singular team. Very, very impressive. And more than 10 titles behind them is second place Club Bruges with 18 titles. They won their first one in 1919-1920 season, and the latest one being the 2021-2022 season. The third place team with the most titles in Belgium is Royal Union SG. I tried many, many times to pronounce the SG for this team, but I did not want to butcher it. So, as it stands, Royal Union SG has 11 titles to their name. The first one coming in 1903-04 season, and the latest one, well, was a long time ago, but still, their last title was in 1934-35 the fourth most successful team in the league is Standard Liège with 10 league titles. The first one coming in 1957-58 and the last one coming in 2008-9. And the la- the final fifth top most successful team in Belgium is K Beerschot, which I think is a very very cool name uh, with 7 league titles to their name, the first one coming in 1921-22 season, and the latest one, well, again, being a long time ago, their last title was 1938-39, so maybe they're due up for one, but I haven't really been keeping up with them specifically on how they're doing in the Belgian Pro League, but when it comes to the league itself, man oh man, So, each team plays against each other twice in the regular season Pro League, and then the league breaks into multiple different leagues. So, follow with me on this incredible journey. So, after the two games against each and every team in the regular season, the top four teams split into the championship playoff. So these four teams go against each other again an additional two times with half of the points that they had during the regular season. So let's just say for this example, Club Bruges had 80 points at the end of the regular season in the Belgian Pro League. When they start the championship playoff, they will have 40 points to their name, and they will try to work their way up to first place to win the title that season. So that is how the champion of Belgium is crowned each year. So again, you have the 34 games in the regular season, and then the top four break into their own bracket. They play each other again twice, and with the points being deducted half from the regular season total to determine the first place champion of Belgium. Unbelievable 
unbelievable way that they've set that up. And then on top of that, you have the top four going into their own league, and then you have the Europa League playoff, which is the 7th place team to the 14th place team enter their own playoff. And they play to be able to get that final Europa League ticket into the continental competitions. So they have their own bracket in itself where they compete. It's just absolute chaos at the end of the Belgian League, I feel like, because I haven't followed this. This isn't something I'm used to, but it's definitely something I want to watch because this seems like it's an unbelievably competitive way that they've set up this league, and it's unbelievable. I, I love it so, so much. But enough of the Belgian Pro League. We are now ready to go to the Belgian Cup. So the Belgian Cup was set up almost as long as the league itself. It's also named the Kronky Cup, but this cup was founded in 1911, so 111 years ago this title was made. And with this, it has actually seen the different number of winners of this cup. The reason I say that is because Eindrelect, which is the current reigning record holder of the most leagues in the Belgian Pro League is second with the most cups won for the Belgian Cup. The first place team is Club Bruges with 11 Kronky Cup titles to their name, the last one being won in 2015, which is some time ago in itself as well. I can't believe that. But... The second place team, as I had alluded to before, is Eindrelect with nine titles to their name, the latest one being in 2008, which is, again, a long, relatively long time ago when you're talking recent history in soccer. The third place team with the most Belgian Cup titles is Standard Liège with eight titles to their name, the latest one being in 2018. In fourth place, we have... KRC Genk, which has five wins to their name, and they won their last title in 2021, which is last year. And then I need to make sure and pronounce this differently because these are two completely different teams. So the fifth and final of this highlight of the most successful teams in the Belgian Cup is KAA Ghent with four titles to their name, the latest one being in 2022. So this year, they ended up winning the title. Now for the league rivalries in the Belgian top flight, we have the Classico, which is Eindrelect versus Standard Liège being the highlight rivalry or the biggest rivalry. Well, I don't want to say biggest because all of these could be in their own way considered the biggest rivalry, but Eindrelect versus Standard Liège is the Classico of the Belgian Pro League. You also have the Topper Derby, which is Eindrelect versus Club Bruges, two of the more successful teams in 
the Belgian top flight, and then I also wanted to highlight the Battle of Flanders, which is a derby in Belgium, mainly due to historical context, because if you actually don't know, I have my degree in history, I love history, and seeing a rivalry based off of history is pretty incredible. So, the Battle of Flanders is Club Bruges versus KAA Ghent, and this is based off of the Battle of Flanders, which has the historical representation from World War One in this battle. Thankfully, it has not gotten as violent as the actual battle itself, because, of course, seeing these rivalries, I never want anyone to get hurt. But, again, the cool historical aspect of this is pretty incredible when it comes to these rival or this that rivalry in specific but the overall belgian rivalries i look forward to possibly watching one of these i have not watched any of these yet so i look forward to looking for these and seeing what i can find coming up we don't have an interesting fact of the week this week mainly due to the fact that Honestly, the you can take any bit of information that I provided this week as that interesting fact of the week because the way that Belgium sets up their leagues, I've never seen before. I don't think any other league does. If they do, I look forward to breaking that down in future episodes as well. But without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the extra man advice of the week. Alright, so for our extra man advice of the week this week, I really wanted to take the time and just overall say as a general consensus when it comes to trying to get noticed in tryouts, don't be scared to pull off a couple tricks when it comes to seeing these scouts or seeing these coaches that you have during tryouts. It never hurts to do that because I know that Maybe some players may be scared to do something like that because you don't want to seem like a showboat, which I know that to some degree it can happen, but let me reassure you when it comes to tryouts, if you pull off one or two tricks and don't go over the top with them, I guarantee you coaches will not think of you being a showboat. That is you getting out of difficult situations and knowing that, hey, I can pull off something like this. Have that confidence, and this is also a a confidence builder when it comes to yourself. Being able to pull off a roulette in the middle of a tryout would be absolutely amazing, and, and that just builds your confidence while also at the same time not presenting yourself as this ball hog maybe some people could could even say it as well but it build that confidence in yourself to know that hey i can pull off these tricks practice 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 those tricks over and over and over again practice makes perfect i know that that's something a lot of people when it comes to just any sport in general they say it's it's Practice genuinely makes perfect. And when you practice these moves over and over and over again, have that confidence to not only practice it over and over and over again, but to actually pull off that move that you've been practicing for so long. And with that being said, I want to go to a quote that I heard a little while ago. And 
I feel like I'm will be doing more quotes in the future, maybe more soccer orientated in itself. But I had heard this quote, and I feel this is extremely, extremely relatable when it comes to this situation like this. This quote comes from Ziad Abdel Noor, and I hope I didn't pronounce his name wrong, but his quote is don't practice it until you get it right practice it until you can't get it wrong which it just shows the testament to practice makes perfect it don't practice it till you get it right practice it till you can't get it wrong and it also goes to a bruce lee quote as well i would rather go against a man that practiced a thousand kicks one time versus the man that practiced one kick a thousand times because practice makes perfect and when it comes to soccer and pretty much any other sport it is no different it is no different don't be afraid to pull off those moves in in tryouts and be that confident self that you can be on tryouts and I guarantee you, I know maybe some of you may be thinking in your head, I don't want to do that because I don't want to be a showboat, or I don't want to do that because I don't want to be perceived as a ball hog. I promise you, if they you pull off these moves, a couple moves, want, pulling a move off once or pulling a different set of moves twice, three times, maybe even four times in about a 30-minute time frame, it, there is no limit, but that's just a general example don't be scared of doing that. It trust me, the coaches are going to notice and they're going to think, "Wow, this person really has that talent and skill that we want on their team or on our team." They're going to go for you. That's the way that it works in soccer. Don't be scared to show off that talent when you've got it. That's for sure. That is going to end this week's episode i hope you guys enjoyed it i know that some of the material may have not been explained well let me know uh, in either our twitter dms or possibly our email which is also linked to the twitter itself i hope you guys really enjoyed this week's episode as much as i did researching it and trying to break it down myself so Thank you, thank you, thank you. A million times thank you for making it to the end of this episode. I hope you guys have a phenomenal week, and I hope you guys have a whole bunch of fun playing soccer. Stay tuned next week. Again, we've got a big interview coming up. I'm so excited for it, and I cannot wait to show you guys. That's going to wrap it up for this week, as I stated before. Stay safe, have fun, love soccer, and I'll see you guys next week. Ciao, everyone.